Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. How well do you manage your time? You've probably heard that we need to make space for God and the church in our schedules. But Paul offers something different in his letter to the Ephesians. Join us as we discover that God can transform every moment in our lives for his will. Today, as we uh, look into Scripture to be formed by God, I want to begin today with talking about something that we learn early on in our adulthood, but we are constantly having to work on it. It is the skill of time management. (laughs) It is a skill that we have to continuously be conscious about because we have a lot of things in our lives, careers, families, hobbies, whatever that gives us a sense of purpose and meaning, we have to be able to manage time given to each of these things well, right? And we begin to learn how to do this in our early adult life. Now, some of us go straight into the workforce right after high school. And you are beginning to just understand, okay, I've got this much work and I have this much to do my chores and this much to do all these different kinds of things, bills to pay, all these different things. We have others who go maybe into a trade school and sort of combine education with also like an apprenticeship or a job. Some go into the military. Me, I went to college and that's where I learned how to do time management. And so my experience of learning how to do time management was interesting because I, I've always had a good sense of time management. Even as a teenager, I did a lot of things in the time that I was given. So you could say I was really well prepared for, for college, but the, the difficult thing about college is that there are some kids who come into college and they are now faced with not a compartmentalized life. Because when you're a kid, you, you go to school, and you have your school life, and then you come home, and you have your home life, and you have your extracurriculars, and then if you have church or whatever it might be, and your parents help you, right? But when you go to college, all of a sudden now, school, which is your main job, is also mixed with living with your bunch of your friends and your roommates who have their own set of hobbies and fun and things, and then put into all the other things that you want to do in college, And there are good, intelligent people that would normally get A's in college, flunk out. And it's not because they're not smart enough, and it's not because they don't have the capacity to do the work. It's because they become a victim of poor time management. Instead of doing that paper, they are up until 2 in the morning playing Xbox. And uh, instead of uh, maybe going to the library to do the research needed for that paper, they begin, they go and play ultimate frisbee out in the quad or they are part of Greek life. And it just sort of takes over and time management goes by the wayside. But we all know that we still struggle with this, right? How many of us maybe sometimes feel guilty because we watched a little too much of this television or we binge watch something on Netflix or we're on our phones too much or maybe we were spending multiple days doing a hobby instead of maybe doing some more purposeful work. Some of us work too much. (laughs) 
And that's a part of our time management crisis, right? We are constantly, as adults, having to reevaluate and really think, am I doing the right things? Am I prioritizing the right things in life? Am I living in a good way with the time that I have? Our series in Ephesians thus far has talked about living a life in Christ very practically. And guess what? Time management is going to be addressed today in Ephesians. If you're joining us for the first time, I encourage you to go back and listen. We, it's, it, the wonderful thing about doing a series of an entire book of a Bible is you begin to understand what its main theme is and how it carries through every facet of what is talked about. And Ephesians is a letter to the church in Ephesus, but also probably just to general churches. It's, it's to be circulated among multiple churches. And in it, we find that Paul talks about an amazing reality. God's will that is to be done after Jesus has died and raised and ascended is to do this, to bring everything under his reign, to unify all things under Christ. And that's not just you and me, that is all people and all creatures in the entire universe. That is what the will of God is for all things to be brought under him. And we found out that there are no barriers between each other. The, the things that divide us are gone. Rather, we are united in one Lord and one baptism, one faith. And because of this, Paul then talks about some specific things. And over the past few weeks, we've talked about how we, as people in Christ, are to be filled with humility and gentleness, acceptance, and love. Our relationships aren't to be cut off just because of disagreement or because of this or that, but rather we are to suffer with each other, to persevere with one another, to love each other. And the way that you do that is through adopting the humility and gentleness that Christ had himself. That also means that we are not to fill our lives with actions to satisfy ourselves. Our very drive changes. When, when the world is filled with people who are looking to do what's best for them and, and to, to do certain things because it feels good or whatever it might be, we as people of Christ say, no, we are here for a purpose, to bring everything under Christ. And that means we must deny ourselves like Jesus did himself. And so that, that is transformed into practical ways. We don't, we are not to be greedy. We are not to participate in sexual immorality. We are not to be impure. We are not to uh, be angry and speak words of callousness and malice and hate in the world. But rather, we are called to be people of good talk, to be people who serve God and others, who are charitable to each other. We live a life of love. And as Paul sort of reiterates some of these things again before the passage today, he moves into a moment that sort of, instead of just talking about the specifics, he makes a very generalized statement. And you, become, you begin to realize that the Christian life, the life following Christ, isn't just 
on a Sunday or in a discipleship group. It's not just in these small moments here or there, but rather it is every single moment in every single place with every single person. We are called to manage our time well for the will of God in our world. Turn with me if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps to Ephesians chapter 5. It will be on the screen for you if you did not bring anything. We are reading from a common English Bible. And as we read this, we're going to hear a little bit about time management, and then Paul's going to say something that's going to sound like a left turn, but I promise you there's, there's a reason. You're going to think, huh? Uh, but we... <laughs> And it's, it's, this is really an amazing passage because you begin to understand that our lives are to be formed completely in Christ in worship to him. So Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15, we read these words. So be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand the Lord's will. Don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit in the following ways. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Always give thanks to God, the Father, for everything and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submit to each other out of respect for Christ. That first phrase sums up the previous paragraph. Hey, so I've told you, flee from sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. Live and speak in good ways of love and gentleness and humility. And so when you see the word so, so, <laughs> to sum it all up, live your lives wisely, not foolishly. But then, but then, he says something that should open our eyes to just how immersive the life in Christ is. Take advantage of every opportunity. Take advantage of every opportunity to do what, Paul? To do the will of God. Every opportunity that you have to bring people together under Christ, take advantage of that opportunity. Every opportunity. And so what we begin to recognize is that if taking an opportunity isn't just this closed-minded idea of, well, this is how I do the will of God in my life, by attending this service or doing this discipleship group or doing this service project or giving or, or calling a person maybe once a week, but rather every aspect of our lives is an opportunity to do the will of God, which opens up everything. We are to be doing the will of God, not just on a Sunday morning service, but at the lunch that we go to directly after whenever we are in relationship with a waiter. We have an opportunity 
to do the will of God on Monday when we go into work and we have a choice to be grumpy and angry and callous or filled with love and humility and gentleness. In our times that we have by ourselves, we have the opportunity to draw near to God or draw near to each other in the holy love that He has called us. In recreation, the things that we do for fun, we can do the will of God. In school, at the grocery store, the way we drive, how we manage our time, is an opportunity to do the will of God. And so Paul decides he wants to really make this very, very clear. So he contrasts it with an activity that is legitimately a waste of time. (laughs) And that is the activity of getting drunk. Now, remember, Paul is not here you will not find in Scripture a command that says alcohol is a sin. But getting drunk is. And getting drunk is essentially the intentional activity of consuming a chemical to dull our consciousness. To basically escape from the life that we have. We're going to sit around and we're going to drink this and we're going to either feel good or we might feel angry or we might feel sexy. That's what getting drunk does. Our inhibitions begin to leave us. And you and I have all seen people who are drunk who are either really, really ridiculous and funny and hilarious and even though five minutes before they were depressed with their life, Or they take that depression and move it into anger and they yell at people and hit people. Or they're just looking to satisfy themselves and they just give their their bodies over to anybody around them. That's why he says, drunkenness leads to depravity. But there is no other activity that is so, well, intentionally wasting the opportunity to do God's will at least in his time. That's why Paul contrasts the two. But really, let's be honest about something. There's plenty of things in our lives that we get drunk on that is not alcohol. There are plenty of things that we escape to to waste time So that we can A, feel better or just not deal with it or whatever it might be, right? We have every entertainment under the sun. We have every store in the world. See, some people escape to watching television. Some people escape to playing video games. Some people escape and just go and look around and I want this and I want that and I want this. We get on Amazon. Some of us escape to social media. Some of us escape to our jobs. Some of us put so much time and effort because it's about us getting that next promotion. Some of us get drunk on 
power and money. Some of us get drunk on comfort. Some of us are drunk on family. That's not a very popular thing to say. But some of us get drunk on family. In such a way that we spend all of our time in such a way that we never actually bring forth God into our families. Rather, it's just all about whatever we're looking to get out of our familial relationships. Friends, don't get drunk on things outside of God's will. I can talk about a bunch of other stuff. Politics, conspiracy theories, knowledge. Some of us are drunk on ignorance. If I just don't know... (laughs) When we put our effort towards these things instead of recognizing that these things are to be transformed in Christ, we are not taking advantage of the opportunity to bring forth God's will in the world. There is nothing in our lives that cannot be turned over to God and for it to be holy. I think sometimes we believe that we have activities that are sacred and activities that are secular. There's no such thing. Every activity for you and I to live in this world can be holy. So how you work can be holy and how you play can be holy and how you celebrate can be holy and how you have quiet time can be holy. Our life is enveloped by the very presence of God. And we can live in His will continuously. So hear me out. This does not mean that you never have fun. That you don't have hobbies or or that you can never go to the mall or that you, you need to quit your career and become a pastor like me. No, it means that God transforms every one of those things. So just think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. You can't make the prayer meeting at church. Pray with your coworkers before you start work in the morning. You have time to kill? Spend some time in prayer or in Scripture. Understanding who God is and how He loves you and I. Need to go out with the ladies? May your talk be filled of holy talk, not of gossip, but one that edifies each other. Pray together. Maybe even look at Scripture together. Love to play golf or disc golf or whatever it might be. A painting class. Turn that into an opportunity for discipleship of worshiping God and loving Him and loving each other. Every moment is a moment for God to work in us and through us. Every moment. And in those moments, Paul tells us that we need to speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
So High School Musical is now commanded of all of us right now. Sing to everybody that you come to. Don't say hello to each other. Say, holy, holy, hope. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. If you get caught in the music part, you'll miss something that is so intentional in this moment. And there is a whole other sermon about songs, why we sing on Sundays, and why all the, this is one of those passages. But let's, let's stay with our time management here. You might find that Paul's encouragement to talk to each other with psalms and songs to be odd. But the reason why he is saying this is he is essentially saying that life in the Spirit causes us to speak to each other, to speak to each other as worship of God. In other words, every word that we say to each other, is it worshipful to God? Is it one that gives thanks to God? Is it one that extends love to each other? Is it one that is completely found in the Spirit? It's not about the music. It is about worship. The time that we spend with each other at work, at church, at school, in the grocery store, out on the golf course, out at the painting class, out at, out at wherever else, is it a time of worship of the God who has changed the world? And you'll know whether or not you have the Spirit in you because it looks like these ways. You speak to each other with worship. You, you, you sing and make music to the Lord. You give thanks to God. And lastly, you submit to each other. It's not about us. It's not about our ways. It's not about our wills. It's not about our rights. It is about submitting to each other in love. That's how you know if the Spirit is within you and whether the time that you are spending is indeed in God's will. Because that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit takes away our personal drive for what we want and orients it to worship of God and love of each other. That's what the Spirit does. It transforms our speech and conduct, our attitudes, and our time together. So, friends, what do you spend time doing? And is the time that you spend worshipful? Is it one that is in thanks to God? Is it one in love to each other? Or is it all about what I need to get done, my own career, my own life, my own family, my own rights, my own fill-in-the-blank? We are to be like the former as people who follow Christ. This is what life in the Spirit looks like. And Paul is providing the positive command in place of all the sins that he said to run away from earlier. So friends, know that you can celebrate with other people. Following Jesus doesn't mean, oh my goodness, I have to micromanage my time continuously. Oh no. How you celebrate can be worshipful.
how you rest can be worshipful. How you work can be worshipful. How you play can be worshipful. How you buy things can be worshipful. All of it can be transformed in Christ as His Spirit is upon us, bringing us all together under His reign. What Paul is saying is that transformation is way better than selfish recreation and pleasure. It is better to get together with friends and celebrate a birthday and worship to God than going out and celebrating that birthday to get lit, to get wasted. It is better to have a life with a purpose, taking advantage of every opportunity to be faithful to God and His will for the world, instead of, I need my time. I need to read this. I need to know this. I need to speak in this way. We must let it go and live in love to God and each other. On Tuesday evenings, we've been having this discipleship group that is taking advantage of the TV show The Chosen. It is something that you can look up online. It's an amazing show. It's about Jesus and his disciples. It's a fresh look at it. And really, something that we've talked about in our group is continuously how much their life jumps off the page. Because when you read Scripture, you know what you get? You get that time when Jesus made water into wine, and you, you get that time when Jesus fed 5,000 people, and you get that time that Jesus rebukes his disciples or rebukes the Pharisees. And when you begin to start only reading the Scripture, you just get these events and forget that Jesus lived with his disciples for three years. We are getting events, a glimpse into a bigger life. And so what we've been noticing as we watch this show is that there are fireside conversations. That when Jesus isn't teaching, but rather just getting to know his disciples. There are times when they will go and serve in a way that isn't even in Scripture. Or maybe they have to stop and get some fish here or there because they have a journey coming up. There are regular parts of life that we miss in Jesus' life with his disciples. We miss that Jesus more than likely joked with his disciples. That there was humor. It's hard to hang out with 12 guys from all different parts of the world without some laughter. <laughs> because the reality of it is, friends, is that every opportunity that they were with Jesus, whether it be fishing, whether it be dancing, whether it be laughing around the fireside, telling a story, getting to know each other, all of it was in worship to God. It was with Christ, and they were bringing about the will of God as they got to know each other and love each other and be with each other and be in the world around them. In this past episode, as they were going to the wedding in Cana, 
Simon and his brother are talking. He says, I just don't want to mess up. I don't know exactly what to do here. This is the Messiah. We have found him. This is a big deal. Like, everything is going to be what he says and to bring the kingdom and to redeem Israel, right? It's this heavy, heavy thing. But also in that same exact episode at a wedding in Cana, when Jesus turns water into wine, Jesus goes to him, hey, let's go dance. Let's go have fun with the bride and groom. Because this is a celebration of life. And Simon goes and shares, I don't know what to do, but maybe it's going to be like how we learned how to fish from our dad. Dad taught us a few things here or there. But really what we did is we watched. We watched him do all these things. And then after it was our time, we began doing the same things that he did. And we also made mistakes along the way. See, friends, what we have to recognize is that Jesus didn't just heal and didn't just die on the cross and didn't just... uh, teach and didn't just pray he lived and we have to watch him and understand that life even the most mundane the most secular can be an opportunity to do God's will in the world everything everything that you can do in your life can be for God So friends, today, may we take advantage of every opportunity to do the will of God in the world. And how we work, how we play, how we rest, how we relate with each other, how we spend our time, where we spend our time, how we spend our time. May we do the will of God always. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.